All right, so this morning I acknowledge up front that I'm, I'm messed up <laughs> because I've been messed with um, the last several days. So as Grace and I have laughed through this, as I communicated with her during the week and then this morning, we'll see how this goes. Um, but I want to come back to Hebrews where we were it's been a couple weeks since we were in Hebrews we had the Reflection Sunday where we took the Lord's Supper together and celebrated communion and reflected and heard heard from Linnea heard from Nima last week we heard from Trent as he shared from Luke. And so this morning we come back to Hebrews. And so let me jump right back where we were in chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. You can follow along with the screen. I just want to review those three passages to put us back in this letter, to put us back in context here. But verse 11 says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. If you guys remember, we had been being encouraged to make every effort to, to enter this rest, and that rest was in and through God's Word. And we would do that so that we wouldn't fall, right? But that we would actually finish. We would finish. We would continue by faith. That we're sons and daughters. Right? We saw that at the beginning of Hebrews. We're being brought by Jesus to glory. He is bringing us there through this suffering. And we are going to be in glory with the majesty on high. That's where he's bringing us. That's where we're going. That's the finish line. That's why we continue by faith. And we saw this example. It says their example of disobedience. That's the Israelites in the wilderness. They didn't finish by faith. Their hearts were the issue. Their hearts became hard. They wouldn't listen to God. They turned away from God. And as we saw, they perished. They died in the desert. They did not finish. Their hearts were their issue. And I promise you that our hearts, our hearts, your heart, my heart, that's our issue this morning. That was our issue yesterday, that's our issue tomorrow, is your heart. That's the reality of what's been spoken to us, that our heart is the issue, and we have to look at our hearts. But how do we evaluate them? How are we able to look at the motivations of our hearts, the thoughts of our hearts, the attitudes of our hearts? Remember, this is you. Okay? God's Word gets to the heart, right? Just want us to be reminded of that picture as I go through this next verse because what deals with our hearts is God's word is this word that he's given us he's spoken to us to deal with to change, to transform our hearts and as you look at verse 12 it says for the word of God is alive and active 
It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Word of God, through the power and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is the ultimate judge of our hearts, is the ultimate tool, the ultimate, as God is make our hearts known to ourselves. It says that it's living. It has the power to accomplish its purpose. It's active. God's Word is effective. It's going to accomplish its purpose. And then we saw that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It is unique. There is nothing else like God's Word as the Holy Spirit pierces it and penetrates it down into our hearts. It gets past our words. It gets past our behaviors. It gets below the surface with this surgical precision that we talked about to know the deepest thoughts and intentions of our hearts. It deals with the why. Why? Not what you do, not what you say, but why do you do it and why do you say that? It gets below the outside. Because we can fix the outside, we can change the outside, but if our heart is still an issue, then God's Word still needs to come in and penetrate and divide and change us. And as you look at this, you realize that the Word of God brings us face to face with the reality of who you are and the reality of who God is. If you actually come to the Word, if you actually listen to the Word, it's going to deal with your heart. Your heart's not going to be hardened and it's actually going to bring you before God. And you're going to see God for who He is and you're going to see yourself for who you are. That should be overwhelming. That should, that should bring us to this place where I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure what to, I want to back up. I'm just overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I've, I've come to God's Word and it's shown me my heart and I, I can't believe what's there. And then I look at God and I see how holy He is. And I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And then we see verse 13. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, 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 everything. Okay, I added three everythings. Is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. We're going to completely turn out, tune out the air compressor next door. Okay. Okay. Somebody start praying that that air compressor goes off. Thank you, Jay. Let me pray right now. I, Father, God, I ask that, um, Lord, I don't want distractions. I don't want, thank you, Jesus. God, I want your word to be heard. I pray against the enemy right now. I pray we would not be distracted. I pray that we would listen. That we would hear. God, please let us focus on your word. If we come before the word, 
we get a taste now of what it's going to be like literally one day to come face to face with the Holy of Holies, the King of Kings, the God Almighty, the Creator God. It's a taste of what it's going to be like then to literally stand before the majesty on high. Jesus is bringing us, right, to glory. We're going to be there before Him. And as we come to His Word, it's a taste of what it's going to be like. We'll be vulnerable. We'll be exposed. It says He can see everything. Every part of your heart. Every thought. Every motivation. Every feeling. And we will have nothing to hide ourselves with. We'll have nothing to cover ourselves with. We're going to be completely naked, completely vulnerable, exposed, and helpless. Have you guys experienced that in the Word lately? That's not my regular experience. I don't come to the Word and I don't necessarily feel that overwhelming feeling. I don't feel necessarily exposed. But there's a picture here that the Word wrestles with us, right? Remember the picture I showed you? The chokehold that's got us down. We're on the ground. It's, it's holding us. It wants us to submit. And I realized this week that I don't wrestle with the Word. I jump in, I jump out. I spend my time with God and then I go on to something else. I don't wrestle with the Word. I don't, I'm not exposed to it over time. And this week, we had that conference. It was over four days that we went. The first night, okay, that was convicting. The second day, of hearing God's word spoken, of hearing God's word shared, of going to hear speakers, of going to workshops, of God's word and God's word and God's word and God's word. I'm really feeling uncomfortable now. The third day, God's word and God's word and God's word. You take a break for lunch and you come back for more. I can't handle this anymore. I don't want to be here in this place anymore because what's being shown to me as I listen to God's Word and as I remain under it and as I wrestle with it because I paid for this thing I'm not going to waste my money I'm going to go to the next session I'm going to listen more and they continue to say these things that I see in God's Word and that weighs down on me and that burdens me and that makes me feel naked and vulnerable helpless and overwhelmed Round after round after round after round. But we jump into God's Word and we jump right back out. We get in the ring. We quickly step out. Does that make sense? It's a wrestling analogy. That's cross-culture, lucha libre, okay? Do you guys remain, do we wrestle with regularly, consistently with the Word? Remaining under it. Remaining under it to the point of submission. Remaining under it till I'm so uncomfortable, I'm so overwhelmed that I believe and I understand that I'm helpless. And when I'm helpless, 
I'm in need. But instead, I, I try to protect myself. I want to flee conviction. I want to begin to walk away from it. One sermon, one time in the Word. I can walk away from that. In the moment, I was convicted. But I go about my life and slowly I can start to rationalize the things that I heard. I can start to let some of that go because I'm not staying under it. I'm not continuing to consider it. God, that's not what you really meant. What I felt and what I, what I understood when you were speaking to me and I heard your word, that's not what you really meant as I get further and further away from it. That radical response that you asked of me? No, it's not logical. Was that really you, God? Was that really you speaking to me? Was that really you, Holy Spirit, who convicted me? And I will be honest with you guys. What I do, and, and, and I get to this place, I think, throughout the week and, and come to Sunday morning and, and by the weekend and studying this and looking at this and, and somehow wrestling with God's Word. And then I get to the point where I say, let me actually look at what's behind the word. Let me look at the nouns. Let me look at the verbs. Let me look at the Greek. Let me look at the, conju the conjunctions. Let me go back in the text. I want to understand this better. And I start to look at it when I feel convicted. Let me just look at this very educationally. Because that's a lot more holy, right? I mean, I can really understand this and I can explain it to you and we can talk about the words behind it. And I start to do that and I start to think about that and I can let go of what God has shown me. I can let go of what God has told me, what God has spoken to me, what God has asked of me. I don't know what you guys do. Do you just go on to something else? Do you, do you sit there with God's Word? Do we come and do we hear God's Word? And do we just move on to something else? I'm the pastor. I'm holy, right? So I'll just, I'll just stay there studying it and studying the meaning out of it, studying the, the application out of it, studying God's Word, His voice out of it. Because... When he spoke to me, I was uncomfortable. When he spoke to me, I was vulnerable. And I don't want to be in that place. And then to be in that place and come up here and to share that with you, to be vulnerable before you, to, to say those things to you, what God said to me here, I need to tune that down. I need to change what I'm saying a little bit so it's more receptive to you. I don't want you. You're already sitting in plastic chairs. Do you really want to be more uncomfortable? You're already sitting with people that don't look like you, that don't think like you, that have different backgrounds than you. There's air compressors going on. We're in a warehouse. Do you really need to be made more uncomfortable by what God originally spoke to me, showed me, convicted me of in His Word? Or can I just explain it away? I don't want us to do that. Whatever you do to remove yourself from this place of vulnerability, this place of conviction in God's Word, stop. Remain there. Stay there. Under it. Submit to it. Come back to it. Don't explain it away. 
no encuentran una manera de, de diluirlo. Because it brings us to that place. Before God. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? How are you going to answer? How are you going to respond? To God Almighty. You're helpless. And in reality, when we see ourselves, when we see God, we need someone to speak for us. We need someone to respond for us. And if we don't get that, if we don't come to God's Word and understand that we're in that situation, then we don't have a problem, then we don't need the Gospel. If you don't repeatedly come to this place where I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I have a problem. I need the gospel. Okay, It's not a one-time transaction. It's again and again and again that we would come to God's Word, that we would listen to His Word, that we would need it. And so we have a problem, and so I need a solution. And the solution is Jesus Christ. The solution is the gospel. But to do that, you have to embrace your failures. You have to embrace your problems. I don't like to do that. I know that God had spoken to me long before I came to the place where I said, God, I'm done. I, I want to follow you. Okay? I know God had spoken to me for years through middle school, through high school. I said, no, God, I can do this. I'm going to be okay. I can do this. I'm not that bad. I don't have those. I don't have problems. And God continued to speak to me and continued to share. No, God, listen, I've been told I can do anything I want to do. Anything that I put my mind to do, you can do, Britt. I was told that over and over and over again. And so God would speak to me. I say, God, I can do this. I can handle this problem. I can work on it. I can take care of myself. And going to this conference, I heard my professor from Moody, from seminary. The man that's as responsible as anybody for speaking. I remember because I was listening in this, this workshop, listening to him share this weekend. I went back to those, whatever, eight years ago, nine years ago, sitting in a classroom in Chicago and listening to him and hearing what he was saying and things he said that I'd never heard in my life about God's Word. And I remember being convicted. I remember being challenged. I remember feeling vulnerable. Like, what? What have, what have I been doing? What are we doing? And, and, and God gave this vision of this church. And what would it look like if, if we came together and if we had this multi-ethnic, multi-class, multilingual, gospel-centered community? Could that be the church? And I'm hearing him talk and it's encouraging me. And I'm, just, I'm sitting there in the classroom. And then I'm like... I'm overwhelmed again because what we say each week I'm like there's no way that that can happen there's no way that that can be who we become that we would be reconciled and reconciling that we'd be multi-ethnic multi-class multilingual gospel-centered community that's a dream how can that be reality
For that to be achieved, Para que eso se pueda lograr, we have to admit that we're failures. Que que somos we have to admit pruebas, that living stones, the piedras vivas, vivas living stones, we're helpless. Que somos we can't do that. No podemos hacer eso. You can't, I can't, que we can't. Podemos, we can't make that happen. No podemos hacer que eso suceda. And what do we say at the end of every service? To him who is able. To him who is able. We are unable. We are helpless. And that is a good place for us to be. And that is a good perspective for us to have. Because then we will rely on and we will trust him who is able. To do that in and through us. And we have to come to, and we have to remain in, and we have to continue in this place where we are helpless. I'm in desperate need. We are in desperate need for God to do that in us, for God to change and transform our hearts. Then I was going to go on to verse 14 and 16. Because that's what Brit does. Brit goes to the next verse. Before that immediate verse begins too hard, right? Because that was starting to convict me, and so I can just go on to the next verse, and then we can oh, let go of verse 13, because we can go to verse 14, and we can start to focus on verse 14, and once that gets too hard, then we'll go on to the next verse after that. Next passage, next sermon. Next Sunday. I had my outline completely done. Yeah, Grace saw the first, the first outline. Right? I, I wasn't behind. I had studied, I had done it, and, and we're way ahead for next week. Promise, I promise. But there were some. There were some brave people around me that encouraged me to share what God wanted me to share to remain in that place to wrestle with God's word to wrestle with what he's already spoken to us to wrestle with what he was doing in me and sitting and submitting to his word and so I couldn't get past Entonces, no pude seguir, no pude pasar este pasaje. Verse 13. Versículo 13. And I literally couldn't get past the we. 
And even in saying that, the grace has to explain because there's no we in Spanish. It's part of the conjugation. Grace and I were laughing this morning. I'm so glad when God put this idea in my head of multi-ethnic, multi-class, multilingual. I had no idea how complicated that would be. Okay? It makes no sense that we would do that. That is it's not possible. When we began the church, we started the church, people were like, oh yeah, multi-ethnic, oh yeah, multi-class, that'll be hard. Multilingual, that won't happen. That's not possible. But I see it here. God has spoken that to me. I'm glad that I was ignorant. And that I would just trust God. And that that's what we would seek, that that's what we would move towards. But I get to this we. We must give account. The living and active word is sharper than a double-edged sword and it penetrates with surgical precision below the surface, below our words, below our action, below our heart. We we not you, we not me, you, uh, we must give an account together before God we are going to be left naked and we're going to be left vulnerable we, together, us, family you, brothers and sisters we are going to be naked and vulnerable before God together to give a complete inventory and explanation of the thoughts, of the intentions of Yes, your heart, but our heart. Our heart as a family, our heart as a church, our heart as brothers and sisters. And I get this picture. Remember I said I was going to take off my clothes and make you guys feel really uncomfortable, right? To be naked and overwhelmed. Then I'm sitting there, I get this picture. Oh, no. We're all naked and vulnerable together. That's even a big, ah, right? That's a terrible picture. That's overwhelming. Next verse 14. That's what I wanted to do. This is a terrible picture. Like I thought it was bad before when it was just me. But this is going to be all of us. Together, we are going to have to give an account. If you've ever spoken, people tell you, act like everybody you know, in the audience is naked. Because then, you know, they look silly and you feel more comfortable. That doesn't work here. We're vulnerable. We're exposed. Together, before God, as we walk with each other and as we continue with each other by faith. And then I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Okay? I'm going to dig into this, right? Let me look at that word, we. Does that really mean we? And, and, and the we is referring to a group of people. Okay? I had to find, what's the source of the we? When, 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 when the author says we, who's it? maybe we're not all in that we. Maybe it's not going to be us. And then I go back, all the way through we, after we, after we, after we, I'm going backwards, and there I find it. I find what we're talking about with the we. And so I want to read that. 
Hebrews 3, verse 12 through 14. See to it, brothers and sisters. That's the we. Everything forward from there is we, 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 referring back to brothers and sisters. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you, none of us, none of we, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And now it starts the we. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. And the we's continue until this point where I got stuck. The we is us. The we is the church. We are going to have to give an account. But if you look at this passage where it begins and what it's tied to, we're to be a community living as family that encourages one another daily. Encouraging one another daily. With the precise, with the penetrating, with the active, with the living word of God. Because that word encourage, it's para kaleo. Para means beside, connected to, right next to, and kaleo means to yell. To encourage means right beside each other, in community, connected to each other, yelling at each other. What are we yelling? What does it go on to explain? We are sharing with each other. We are speaking to each other the Word of God. The Word that we've received, we're sharing that with each other. We're connected in life. We're connected in close relationships and we share that Word with each other. And the result is going to be vulnerability. The result is going to be transparency, uncomfortableness before God. If we actually encouraged one another with the word, that would be the result. We would be brought to this place where we realize we're standing before God, helpless. And we need Him. We need the gospel. We need Jesus Christ. But we don't do that enough to get to the point where we're actually helpless and need the gospel. We don't remain there long enough. We don't actually walk side by side sharing that with each other. Because if we did that, we would be transparent and vulnerable. I went to the first night Wednesday. I remember a little twinge in my eye. A little tear I could feel starting to come. By Thursday, I cried several times. By Saturday morning, I'm sitting there at 8.30 in the morning and it's just coming down my face. Anybody says anything and I'm just crying. I can't stop. And I'm just taking my glasses off. I'm wiping my face. We go to a workshop. I'm just crying. We go to the, the main session. I'm crying. Because I've remained under it. 
because God is changing me. He's making me feel vulnerable. He's making me feel a need. But I'm with other people. Right? What's everybody going to think? I remember sitting in one and we were like on the second row and I remember one of the, the guys that was speaking and he's looking like, is that guy okay? Is he alright? Because he just keeps, he's got this nervous tick, he just can't stop wiping his face. And it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. And I can't quit crying today. What's your reaction when you're in God's Word? What's your reaction when we share God's Word and encourage God's Word with each other? It should bring us to a place of transparency, a place of vulnerability with each other. As we walk with each other, side by side, sharing that with each other. And are we willing to live that out with your brothers and sisters here? Are we willing to do that? And I hope that's not a surprise. That I would say that, that I would communicate that. Every week we put up our vision statement. Gospel-centered community. Walking side by side. Sharing life with each other. That's our job. That's what God has put us here to do. He's given us this great commandment to go and love the Lord, our God, with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. He's given us the great commission to go make disciples of all nations, of all ethnicities. And He's given us this great community, the church, our family. And that family is the fulfillment of Jesus Christ here on earth. When people look at us, they see Jesus. They see our love for each other, and they should see Jesus. We, the church, is the fulfillment of God, Ephesians says. It's the fullness of God. This great community that we are to be. That's where we're going. That's our vision. That's the purpose for which he's placed us here. And we need each other. As you look on in verse 13, it says, So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We are not meant to listen to the Word of God continually by ourselves. We are not meant to listen to, to consider, to hear God's Word over and over and over again by ourselves. We're not to do it alone. 
Because sin is deceitful. It twists the truth. Alone? I can hear the word. I can walk away from the word. I can justify what was said. I can forget what was said. But side by side, listening to the word, considering the word, sharing the word together, not alone, so that we're not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's saying, do this together. Do this together. Encourage one another so your hearts won't become hard. It doesn't say, go alone and study God's word and be in God's word and, and, and read God's word and understand God's word all by yourself all day, every day, over and over and over, and then get together and sit side by side and not share it. It doesn't say, understand God's word and don't share it with each other in your lives. Don't, don't speak the word. Don't encourage each other with the word. Don't. Does that make sense? But we just, this, 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 and then we try and live our lives. We're supposed to share it together. Okay? It doesn't mean that you don't spend time with God alone. It doesn't mean that you don't read your word. But we should be sharing it together. The, the way that our hearts don't become hard is that we are sharing and encouraging each other with God's word. We have to be in community to do that. And that can't happen just on Sunday morning. That can't happen as we sit here. That doesn't happen as I preach to you. That happens as we're side by side, parakaleo, walking with each other, speaking to each other, encouraging each other. And if you're not connected, if you're not walking with, if your life does not intersect with someone else and you don't share and you're not vulnerable, it won't happen. And your heart will become hard. You can come here every Sunday, you can sit in a chair, you can listen to my preaching, and your heart can become hard. And I'm, I'm slow to say this, but I, you could go every morning, wake up, do your quiet time, 30 minutes in the Word, 30 minutes of praying, whatever you want to do, whatever time you want, and your heart can get hard. I, I can prepare this message and my heart can harden before I share it with you. Because I'm overwhelmed by it. But by myself, I'll just let go. By myself, I'll take a step back. Let me make it more comfortable. But if I share it, and I shared this with my wife, ah, now I'm stuck with it. And she's sitting there and she said, Say it! Say it! Say what you need to say. Say what God is telling you. Don't dismiss it. Don't be fearful. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be exposed. I'm a mess. I need you to encourage me with God's Word. I need you to speak into my life. We need each other to speak into each other's lives. We can see more clearly the truth of the Word together than you ever can alone. That's how God's designed us. He's given us His Word. He's spoken it to us. And we, brothers and sisters, we are going to have to give this account. We are going to have to explain our hearts, the attitudes, the, the condition of our hearts. And there's responsibility that we share. If we don't encourage each other, you're responsible for your brother's heart. You're responsible for your sister's heart. Because we're to be encouraging one another daily. So do you believe that listening to the Word of God is a community practice? Were you meant to consider it and to share it with others? 
Or is God's word just you and God? It may start there, but it does not stop there. And if it stops there, then it's short of what God has designed it for. It can't do its work in its heart. It can't pierce and penetrate unless we encourage each other with it. When it gets to this point of penetrating and, and, and dividing our, 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 our marrow and, and our bone, it, it's because we've been encouraging each other with it. Let's consider the word for us so that we wouldn't become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need each other. We need each other. And I believe reading God's word that the more diverse we are, the deeper God's word will penetrate into our hearts. The more it will deal with our hearts, deal with, and we will not become hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. Together as a community, the more diverse we are, I think the deeper God's word will go. Back to our vision. That's why there's the multis. Multi-ethnic, multilingual, multi-class. We need to be different. We need to have different perspectives. And that's shown in God's Word. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. These barriers are broken down. The dividing wall has been removed. We're to come together and we're to demonstrate the fulfillment of Christ. The results of the Gospel. We're to be this great community. As you look at verse 14, we are united in the gospel. We're holding to Jesus. We're holding to his word. We're united in the gospel. But we are not uniform. We're multi, multi, multi. One gospel. Multi, 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 one gospel. Okay? We are united in the gospel, but we are not uniform. Okay? And there's a purpose in that. There's a purpose in God's design for that. The diversity is not in the content of the gospel. It's in the context of how it's understood. How we apply it. That's what's beneficial to us as we encourage each other with the word. We desperately need to hear, to be encouraged by others that are not like ourselves, that come from different backgrounds, that come from different contexts, that have different experiences, that don't have the same socio-cultural lens or context. Because if we're the same, we're going to be deceived by the same thing. We're going to become hard in the same places. I can't just encourage walk with and share the word with Trent Brown. 
I can't do it. Yo no puedo hacer eso. Not if I'm following this. No, si estoy la de Dios. We're too uniform. We're too much the same. We're both good looking. We both wear glasses. We're both white men. Middle class. College educated. How is he going to speak into how sin is deceiving me? How is he going to share with me what I can't see and he can't see? Because we have the same lens. We're looking at the word the same way. I need, I need those older than me. I need those younger than me. I need those that were born here. I need those that were not born here. There are certain things that I can't see. And if I just encourage Trent and Trent just encourages me, even through the word, it won't produce what God wants to produce. We'll be deceived by our sin. I need Larry. I need Sergio. I need Ashley. I need Val. I even need Jake. And if possible, I'll encourage Trent. But man, I confess to you, it is so much easier for me to run to Trent. He gets me. He understands me. And he usually doesn't convict me. I know his arguments. I know how he gets out of the word, how he removes himself from underneath it. Because it works for me, it works for him, and we can just ignore it. And we feel pretty good and we've encouraged each other with the word, but it hasn't actually shown any of the deceitfulness of the sin in our lives and our hearts are becoming hard. He is limited in how he can help me. I'm limited in how he can help me or how I can help him. Do you guys get that? We have to be involved with others who are not like ourselves and encourage each other with the word. Not a uniform perspective or background. But because we've come to share in the gospel. We are united in the gospel. We have received the word of God that came flesh, that lived amongst us, that died for us, that has restored us, and that is reconciling us. And we're to be reconciled with one another. And we're to be walking in that. Sharing that, encouraging one another that are not like ourselves. And that's uncomfortable. More uncomfortable, more difficult, more exposing. You start to understand and see things about yourself that you didn't know. Like, I've got enough issues on my own that I already know about that, I, that I'm having struggling and I'm dealing with. And then for somebody to speak into my life something that I didn't already see, because they come from a different lens, a different perspective, a different background. It's too much. Let me just go be with the people like me and talk to the people like me and that will feel better and I'll be more comfortable. We can't do that. 
We can't do that if God is going to fulfill this vision. And so if you want to continue with us, I want you to understand and embrace the we, the we that have come to share in Christ. Okay? I couldn't get past that word. That's where I had to stop. That's what I needed to speak on. That's what I needed to share. I don't, it's there every week. We've talked about it before, but it's something we need to talk about again and again and again. We need to be uncomfortable again. We need to be exposed again. As we seek to be this gospel-centered community. The Spirit wouldn't let me go forward. We are brothers and sisters. We are the church. God's word is for us. And we are in desperate need of encouraging one another with his word regularly, deeply, daily in our lives. And we're going to stand naked together. We're going to stand vulnerable together. We're going to have to give an account together for the intentions, for the thoughts, for the attitudes of our heart. Of our heart as a family. Our heart as a church. And I hope that makes you feel uncomfortable. I hope that makes you feel helpless. I hope that puts you in a place of need. Because that's the place that we need to be when we get to the verse next week that says... Here comes Jesus. I'm helpless. I have a problem. There's nothing I can do. Here comes my great high priest. Here comes Jesus. What we can't do, he will do. What we're not able, he is able. But we have to continue by faith, believing him, trusting him, and obeying his word. Encouraging each other with his word. Being vulnerable with each other through his word. Not me, not you, but us.